Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Thursday afternoon. You know what that means. Hello and welcome to the AEW Dynamite Review. I am Michael Sidgwick, joined by fellow Dadly Boy Michael Hamflick to discuss everything that went down on last night's show. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure to subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. We preview and review Dynamite, Collision, not Rampage anymore, even though this week's looks goaded. Raw Smackdown, <laughs> the show formerly known as NXT 2.0. Oh! Premium live events, pay-per-views, we have wrestler interviews on occasion, roundtable discussions on occasion, and a roundup of the week every week, not this week, on Wrestle Culture, complete, of course, with a bloody good quiz. Hamlet. I need the power to be back for a month mm-hmm. before I say the power is back. But that was AEW last night. Oh, God, yeah. Like the power, I, in every single conceivable way, that was AEW last night. Yeah, I don't need that month. I need less than 12 hours. The power's back, uh, and it's at least not going away again until Friday when SmackDown is. Look, here's the thing with Tony Khan and his everything is great. Get excited about June. June, 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 June. The only way anyone was going to feel what Tony Khan did for the month of June was by producing a dynamite like the one we had a fortnight ago and the dynamite we had last night. There is now enough evidence, if you include everything that was seen on dynamite, not Rampage, but everything was seen on dynamite, the clips of how you can bludgeon your opponent with a kickflip on Fight Forever, and pretty much every announced card, uh, every announced match for Forbidden Door, that every one of Tony Khan's greats were true. Yeah, no. Like, oh, yeah, it is great. It is great. It is great. Like, he knew in advance that these things gonna were going to be gonna, great for us. It's going to be great for us. Like, he knew well, in We had a great show uh, uh, last week. We've got more great action coming up. You're right, Tony. He's actually right. I thought this was tremendous. Um, we have a joke about this at this point that you and I alternate the ups and downs every week. Um, I had 11 ups to only one down on this week's Dynamite, which you can read at whatculture.com forward slash WDB. It's a transcription of what my thoughts are going to be on this podcast, but almost everything was perfect. And honestly, sometimes one down is better than zero because it's nice to have the Why? comparison, isn't it? It's nice to, like, you've got to... Uh, J.K. didn't work a singles match. Me too. But in order so to get zero the, dance is better. No, because in order to get the rainbow, you've got to put with the rain. Do you know who said that? Desiree? Dolly Part. <laughs> <laughs> People said she was a big pair of tits, right? But no, like, that's that was... J.K. Hager and Wardlow was the rain. The rest... 
the rainbow, pots of gold out the ass. And that's not counting the forbidden door buy rate, which I think is going to be massive. That's going to be absolutely huge, I yeah. think. I think it's going to be the best performing pay-per-view of the year. I'm buzzing. I'm absolutely buzzing for this product again. And I know, like... I am, but it's temporary for me. What, till Saturday when you're going to buzz even more? I don't think it looks that great. But that is for tomorrow. Yes. That is for tomorrow. First ever collision preview tomorrow. Yes, yeah. so we're not going to step on our own dick. We instead are going to jerk it off. Because <laughs> MJF versus Adam Cole was an absolute goddamn oh, treat. God, what a match this was. It ends in a 30-minute time limit draw with just one of the best TV finishes you'll see yeah. in quite some time. It was so well done, as was the match overall. I've had several issues with AEW in 2023. Keep your eyes peeled for a editorial dropping on whatculture.com slash WWE entitled, It's Official, AEW, A New Era is Underway in AEW, okay? And Tony Khan, he's not doing this on purpose, tends to deliver one of the best dynamites of the year the day after or before one of my editorials, <laughs> like critiquing the state of the company. Like going to the toilet and your team scoring. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got to stay in the toilet now. Yeah, yeah, got to stay in the toilet, yeah. so it's really, really irritating. Um, so I've got many problems, the relentless interference, um, the fact that finishes, particularly in Matt Hardy matches, are now punchlines, totally removed from championship pursuits, like loads and loads. But the three broad ones for me, other than the tropes, the creeping notion that the original book and vision of bold losses and wins has crumbled it's three big ones. One, I haven't felt like there's been a really hot one-on-one feud. I liked Jericho Cole, but it was more entertaining than epic and big-time in main event. So the fact that there's been no real proper one-on-one feuds and programs. Uh, two, the fact that Dynamite is so busy, and I'm increasingly feeling my age, and it's bang, 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 and it just feels a little bit like things don't register. Um, it doesn't feel like the New Japan epic main event or, you know, something where you can just sit down and just kick back and relax. Um, another problem, the third one I've really had, is that I just feel small. It feels like the atmospheres are too much like WWE. It feels like the gates aren't there. It feels generally like a lukewarm promotion. That's lacking buzz. Those three issues, those main ones I've had, were corrected in the course of a singles match. Yeah, and a single match. MJF versus Adam Cole was so goddamn good. I got the sense that they were going to go along with the, um, not the stalling, but the just registering everything, taking their lovely sweet time, and I just sat down and just luxuriated in this really, like, just expertly paced professional wrestling match that built to one of the best subversions of a heel trope I can remember in quite some time. So the general story is that MJF, he's taking his time. He conveys the the idea that he's wary of Adam Cole by going out to the audience and almost smacking someone's face clean off. He comes into the ring, starts working over the arm, starts to get arrogant because he's got the advantage. He does the Shawn Michaels pose. I think he says, I'm Shawn Michaels, yeah. which is absolutely <laughs> tremendous. And Adam Cole... And this is just a wonderful bit of serendipity in pro wrestling. Um, After MGF teases the sweet chin music, boom, Adam Cole, no pun intended, hits back literally with a super kick, thrust kick, and I think there's a teeth, a tooth gets knocked out or a lip gets split or whatever because MGF's spitting 
a wonderful conge- uh, congealing, is that the word, blood, mm. congealed, whatever. Congealed. And they build this match, and it goes back and forth, but never at too like, desperate a pace. It's, it's just so assured. Yes. It's such an assured pace that they work at because they're building and they're confident that they have the crowd. And at the start, you get the roaring standing ovation. This match is so much hotter than the cynical arseholes on Twitter who said the promo exchange last week went too long. Obviously not, because look how much they are into it. Got a massive number as well. Got a massive Sometimes number Sometimes you've got to well. accept the objective metrics. Indeed. So the match goes back and forth. They do this absolutely tremendous bit where MGF, and we know of Adam Cole's like really grim, bleak um, concussion history, uh, recent history at that, goes for the heat seeker, and Cole, like, almost panicked for the first time. He's selling his arm brilliantly. This is the first, and he's like, he's really, really selling it. This is the first time he shows a glimpse of, oh, I cannot be hit with that because, like, my head is in a precarious state. It isn't, he's been cleared. But this is what you are led to think with the storytelling here. And then when he finally hits it deeper in the match, you go, you get that, oh, yeah. because it's been sold prior to the actual execution of the move is something that you absolutely don't want to take. There's lots of that sprinkled in. More than the apron tombstone, I would argue. Yes, yeah. yeah. So that's really well done, and they've built it. They do delay the apron tombstone and make you think the Panama Sunrise is happening. Yeah. But I think they, I agree, I think they got a better with that panicked jerk of the shoulders. Like, no, don't do that, you can't do that. So what happens is, deeper in the match, the ref gets bumped. Okay? This is not a platform for acting. Um, instead, MGF obviously goes for the um, the belt or the diamond mm-hmm. ring at this the point. The belt, yeah. Goes for the belt, the diamond ring comes later. So he goes for the belt, and then the second that Bryce Remsburg comes to, flips the bird of coal, tosses the title at him, and does the Eddie Guerrero bump. Brilliantly. And this is not just brilliant in and of itself because it's creative. It adds another layer to the false finish. Brilliantly. Bryce Remsburg has, in fact, not come to. Yeah. He's got up, and then he's realized, no, that actually really hurt. <laughs> and the ruse is over. Yeah. And now Adam Cole has got an opportunity to hurt um, MGF, beat him with the title, but it gives a platform for an Adam Cole facial expression that isn't a shocked kick out. Yeah. I loved this element so much. There's so much to enjoy and pour over, and I think you'll have five minutes like I have. <laughs> I love that Adam Cole's got this beautiful, really expressive face, but he kind of became a meme and a lightning rod for criticism and snark because he used that face all too often to do that. I can't believe you kicked out. Yeah. MJF and the way he structured this match, and Cole did obviously as well, has given him an opportunity to just show off that beautiful sort of that heel bastard within for like a little glimpse. You wanted of this Adam Cole last week. Well, now you get yeah, exactly. This is the one you fell in love with in Ring of Honor. Yes. Right, yeah. Just so, so elegant, so well-crafted. And since that doesn't work, he goes for the diamond ring. Remsburg notices it, takes him off, and then what move happens before the pan- uh, before the um, boom? Uh, oh, what was it? What the setup for the, what was theoretically the match winning? Yes. Boom? Can't remember. Can't remember, but he doesn't move. Dropped him into place, yeah. Dropped him into place. One, two, the bell rings. Because of two factors, I thought a new heel associate of MGF had just rang the bell Mm -hmm. in a bid to distract Cole so that he can pin him. What's actually happened is that the time limit has expired, and I didn't see it coming. 
because the match had sort of raced by. Not like too fast, but just that wonderful craftsmanship where you're working long, but it doesn't feel yeah. long. And the time limit draw has expired. And it feels like a shock because they've sold you so much on the finish and they haven't told you in five-minute intervals that the match is progressing when Justin mm-hmm. Roberts... Uh, we were talking about this in the office earlier. Um, it's all or nothing for me. You either do it not at all or you do it in every single match and not just a um, world title match. Because if you start to do it selectively, you're basically telling the audience that you're going to a draw. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't do that. So I was happy that they've abandoned it completely. I'd rather it was there all the time personally, but I'd rather one or the other. Um, what I love about this match as well, you had a different take on what you thought the structure of it was. And I think both are, you know, um, sort of valid. I just thought it was a nice little nod from MGF to do a really well-paced, almost New Japan-adjacent match yeah. on the exact same night. He says, that's oh, just an indie fed. He's clearly gotten to. He's clearly wary of someone from New Japan showing him up the character. So that was a nice little yeah. nod. There's just so much to love about this. I Yeah, I love that take. Um, and my thinking was, he's just done, as is his wont in this reign of terror, he's just done his, I'll go half an hour with you, NXT 30-minute guy, Adam Cole. Watch me. Like, I went an hour with Brian, so what makes you think I can't do your half an hour NXT, yeah. like, stare at the camera match, because I can do that too. And uh, But, I, like, I, I love that just as much. Um, the, yeah, I, luxuriate was what you said at the start, and it makes... I strapped in for this. It makes you as a fan want to talk and think about it as much as the wrestlers clearly wanted to contribute to the story. MJF uh, plays chess when he wrestles. But he doesn't wrestle three moves ahead. He cheats three moves ahead. He always, uh, it's using nice JRism that I genuinely miss. He dances with what brought him yeah. all, all the time. He's always, it's great, right? Because he always sets traps to cheat and he wrestles on the way to the traps. And that's what's going to make him such a great babyface one day because the wrestling he's doing en route to the cheating he wants to do is fantastic. Yeah, it's tremendous. So one day when you lift some of the cheating out and it's just the wrestling, you're like, that's perfect. You are perfect as a professional wrestler. But for him, it's like, right, well, get on with doing this awesome pro wrestling. Get on with uh, targeting the arm and shoulder like a master, like a Bret Hart level master tactician. Because fingers crossing a bit, I can get to the diamond, like diamond ring. Like the- on that, very quickly, sorry to interrupt your flow. MGF does a lot, this spot a lot when he's beating someone down, his opponent who's had the arm worked over ahead of salt of the earth, things to the ropes, and he jumps off and hits them like square on the yeah. outstretched arm. I did not see that coming this time. Aye. So well done. Yeah, uh, we've got to, um, of course, mention it because plenty of people tag us on Twitter with it. He waits for Will Bond to go away before he does a wanker sign. Yes. When he's jacking off uh, Adam Cole's arm. Which he does again, it twice. He, he does it. He does the Rick Root. No, no, he does the... He does the strut and the... He does the Adam Cole, Adam Cole baby mock yeah. taunt and then does the wanker sign. Yeah. And he did the that arm thing as well. Might have been a little nod to Tanahashi because remember Jay White doing that with Tanahashi's arm in their series of matches. Yeah, he did that and he did the air guitar and stuff. And it's like that's lined up stuff for MJF to do when he fights Tanahashi. Um, he like it's so it's a strategy. It's a strategy for MJF to like right. How can I open up the avenues with which to cheat? Because taking these shortcuts has always always worked. And then a 
fabulous match happens while he's on the journey to doing that, which is such a fantastic thing about watching a long MJF match. And again, just puts every critic back in the box. I'm not sure the critics are there anymore. I think they're lying if they are. I don't believe the critics. Like MJF can still say as a stubborn heel, I all think like I'm lazy or I don't wrestle or whatever. Nobody can be saying it. There's some hipsters on Twitter who still say it. It's a crap take. I know. It's an absolute rubbish take. Like, listen to the goddamn noise. Yeah. Like, the fans are banging into it. You get everything with him because you get the sly conniving heel. You get the really high-quality wrestling match. And you get the proper good guy, proper bad guy. Here's the outcome you should be rooting for every single time. It's a perfect formula. And In 2023 so, as well. Yeah. So, a few wrestlers have got that particular formula on television or pay-per-view in 2023. Um he probably knew more than Adam Cole and more than us, evidently, that there was a clock to even run down. I'm with you on the consistency with the timing. But I to sort of bring our conversation from the offices to the microphones, basically. I was thinking of the New Japan one. They're counting up as if they're reminding you of a wrestler's bump clock. Five minutes gone, 10 minutes gone, 15 minutes gone. You're like, whoa, they've been at this for 15 minutes. Yeah. Whereas in North American wrestling, it's always five minutes left, two minutes left, and then you feel like the fix is in. Because you wouldn't normally tell me about that unless yeah. I feel like I need a note. And apparently there was one here in the 10-minute mark, and I missed this because I was just too engaged. Oh, yeah, I missed I it. was too engaged in the match, but there was one 10-minute one, but that was it. They've never done it loudly enough. No. It's always like, mm, 10 for <laughs> Yeah, just, just like that. Uh, Cody and Darby, Brian and Page. Am I forgetting others? Cody, Darby, Brian Page, Omega Danielson. Of course, Omega Danielson. And this, and maybe maybe a couple more. Time limit draws an AW kick ass. They absolutely rule. Um... We put over Cody and Darby all those years ago, knowing what they were trying to do, and it's for nights like this. Four years later, because that's AEW, plant some seeds, yeah. like, and they will blossom and they will grow four years later, and you can still get the benefit from them. And here we are here again. Um, the match being as good as it was, of course, helps the time limit draw, because then nobody's thinking, Ugh, a 30-minute Adam Cole match with like flashbacks to 2021 or something. Yeah. There's, there's none of that. If you watched it, you were in. Um the best thing about a time limit draw is if it's good enough to make you want the rematch, and this achieved that goal, absolutely. And we got our, like a puzzle was solved here on this show because we got both an awesome match that sets up a rematch and nothing that gets in the way of Forbidden Door. Yeah. I would classify all of this as perfect. Oh, perfect. This should be in the match. That, personally, I know it won't be to everybody's taste. This is one of my matches of the year, and perfect. I feel like it should be in the conversation at the end of it. Perfect is the word. Um, like, again, there was a lot of pressure here. Cole is perceived as not being the same. MGF has this weird movement against him that even though he delivers every single time, people suspect he won't. Yeah. The oh, next time. I need to put this over while I remember as well. And I think this was so helpful in like, he's effectively rebooted Cole as a working babyface after the Jericho. Well, the Jericho feud never really gave him the opportunity to be a working babyface. You had the, you compared him to like a kind of diet Moxley in the double or nothing match. Yeah. And the tag match was something else entirely. Here, MJF, as well as cheating, his strategy was avoidance, dodge the boom, dodge yeah, the yeah. boom. And it's like, that's how you get a working baby face over. Because it's like, he's got this kill shot and I've got to avoid it. I cannot put myself in the position to get hit. It's like when he fights Tanahashi, well, I can't be in the position to get hit with high fly flow. No, the, dragons, old and, the dragon screw. Yeah. Oh my God. Can't, can't feed him a leg. You know, like the, MGF, no matter how old he is. MGF has been selling the knee because he thinks about these things in terms of years. He thinks about his character as someone who's lived an entire life because he lives in character. And if you notice that he sells the knee often when he hits that powerbomb backbreaker, yep. he explained it away in the, the revolution scrum as an old nagging football injury that's never felt quite right, and it just recurs. What if he does the... Uh, 
powerbomb backbreaker on Tanahashi, sells the knee, and then gets hit with a dragon screw. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. In, in the run-up to Forbidden Door, when we preview at various points, forgive me, mega fans, I will repeat that take and manifest that spot about five different times. Speaking of repeating the take, I've got to do one that I put on Twitter this morning. Of all the times to subvert the Eddie Guerrero spot, ergo, I don't know what I'm doing here. The week to do it when CM Punk was coming back, I just thought it was like MJF does these all the time. The Easter eggs that MJF yeah. puts his matches are absolutely sublime. And we we all know and love that Eddie Guerrero, CM Punk. As soon as we locked up, I realised I knew nothing. Yeah, MJF realised he knew nothing because he's in there with a guy that's better at doing the Eddie Guerrero cheat spot than he does. Who he idolised like he Punk. Idolised for doing it. I just thought it was so smart. The timing of the near fall on the belt shot, by the way, after the ref bump. Oh my god. And, uh, you know, don't under, we can't undersell that this was an eliminator. I always forget, eliminator or contender? One uses eliminator. One. Eliminator. The, uh, Paul Ants. For an eliminator match, they made the near falls feel like it was a title match. And that was super impressive too. Call out to win this to get a shot, not to win the bail. Yeah. But you wouldn't have thought so the way the fans were coming up for the end. And indeed, I was sat at home. Um, and. MJF had Vince was right on his elbow pad. The elbow pad's becoming part of the law now. You have to check what's on the elbow pad. Vince was right. Only MJF can get away with that yeah. about him yeah. in 2023. Minor flaw mm-hmm. is that at the end, so basically the time limit expires when Cole is just literally one second from victory. And Cole gets the mic, says five more minutes. MJF refuses. Yeah. In every... They only do this sometimes... Is there overtime or not in these scenarios? I would say that's probably down. Uh, you know to what? The actually, of the no, 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 no. Actually, no. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. They've only done overtime twice. That's specifically with Iron Man matches. This wasn't an Iron Man match, and they've set the precedent through Page Danielson, Omega Danielson, and now MGF Cole. That if the time limit just expires, that's it. Yeah, because so it's a result. It draws a result. Yeah. So it turns out this was flawless. Turns out this was flawless. If we had rankings, both of them would have a one in the middle of it, and God, I missed them. Yeah. yeah. You get a video package hyping the return of CM Punk. I can't reach the button, Sid. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, my, oh my God. Um, CM Punk feels like he's in a bad mood. Yeah. He is shown training. Bit gaunt. Bit gaunt. But also jacked at the same time. Like, like looking fit. Like He looks physically fit, mentally... Ready to combust it all over again. Oh, God. I don't know if he is, if he's working, if it's as always with CM Punk, a mixture of both. But it looks like he's in a foul mood. He looks like he's ready to kind of combust. And um, he basically signs off saying that I've got a lot, I've got a lot of scores to settle mm-hmm. and I've got a lot to get off my chest. It's one of those where, in the magic of the moment, you think anything's possible, the return's going to be great. And then you remember, legally, you cannot say one thing about um, at least the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. Yeah. Page is a surprise. Oh, you're getting everything all at once. Like the main event angle indicates, you're getting everything all at once. Omega Takeshita. Yeah. Uh, Omega Osprey too. Um, blood and Guts potentially. Like everything, everything, everything. So you're allowed to dream through Punk's delivery and how vague and how alluring that is, but you can't say it. I've got a lot to get off my chest. Joe, you're always the better man, but I'm going <laughs> to prove that it's me, actually. It's not going to hit the same, but we'll preview that tomorrow. But what were your uh, thoughts on the actual video package? And the what? decision to go with that rather than anything else of note. All I'm saying is that he made Collision unmissable, and of course he did. Like, here he is, like the punk is back, 
this is why people fight for him. This is why he's of such value. This is why uh, Tony Khan is evidently such a big fan of him and wants bygones to be bygones for the good of a business. Like, scores to settle, uh, doesn't know what he's going to say until he's in the ring with a microphone in his hand. Like, he didn't do a CM Punkism when he said it, but all he knows for certain is that nothing is for certain. That great sting line before he became the crow. Like, it's just... That's- that is an, a, a tell that his character alignment is going to be kept fluid. Not for the same reasons, mind you. No. It's not to reveal himself. As I'm the baby face, of course I am. It's don't know how every other city is going to react to me, so let's keep it a little bit vague. Well, yeah. Sting said those words to the WCW wrestlers that didn't trust him when the NWO had arrived and they thought he was NWO because of fake Sting. Punk could pivot and say that to the fans of Chicago for leaving him behind when MJF returned as the devil for not supporting him when whatever, whatever, like, this is punk. He can spin whatever he wants if he wants to at any point. I, honestly, it's funny you mentioned about how uh, it's just not going to be the same when he has to spin this anger into a program with Samoa Joe or Jay White or whatever. This was so good. And, like, I don't mind being worked. This was so good. I was allowed for a second to just open my fantasy book in net as wide as it would stretch. Like, what we don't know at the moment is as intoxicating as what we do. Collision, I think, is unmissable now. Yeah. I wouldn't. I, I'm not going to fight for compromise. I'm not going to fight for the card, but this video made me want to fight. The promo is unmissable. Yeah, literally everything else on the card is like some of it. Is, we'll talk about it tomorrow. Well, when he has the main event, like, and if if they don't open with the CM Punk promo and he's he's given time to speak at the end of the match and he's doing his <sighs> and he's got the microphone to his mouth and let's say he's attacked by Kenny Joe. Omega. Imagine. Well, yeah. Imagine. I can't Kenny, imagine. Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, because Dynamite's in Chicago the following Wednesday, and Punk is not going to be there. Yeah, imagine if it was Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. Know, and, and we've been worked all along, and... It's like Vince Russo. And it's nice to not know, and it turns out that, like, they are all working together, and this the reason why Tony Khan was so tight-lipped on a soft split. Do, do a coffee bet on that? No, because I lose them all the time, yes. and I want something like this to happen. Like, they're... What, like, just what if? Like, what if there is more to this than us dumb marks? No. And it's it's just nice to entertain even the idea okay, of I'll that, go with, that. with Punk being so already visually committed to our bit. We don't know what that bit is. You but need to just imagine the worst and then everything else in life will come as a pleasant surprise. That's how to live. I, I think that's how you, how mean you work on a podcast, isn't it? That's how to live. <laughs> that's that's how, it's the only way to live. Don't get excited. <laughs> come on, guys. Temper your expectations. Then you won't be disappointed. It's about everything. I know. That's, like, that's why I like wrestling. Because it's the one thing I I can't do everything else with. Yeah, I'm, it's just great. It's all dead now. It's yeah, all, it's all dead. But uh, not on uh, Wednesday. You know what that means. In the UK on ITV, you can watch Collision several days after. Uh, yes, you can. Huh? Yeah, Wednesday night. You're fine. Jim Ross is back on Wednesdays in Great Britain. I'm still on Wednesday nights. Take that, X. Take that, X. If if he works Collision, probably. Yeah. Uh, we get Sammy Guevara returning, and this is absolutely no perfect except one really ambitious line. So basically, Sammy Guevara comes out. Um, he's introduced by Rene Paquette and said um, he's kind of cliched, but I find it almost endearing when he's babyface. Sammy Guevara can trend towards trite. Do you know what the two differences were, just before you recap this, that I think were instant from the moment he came out? Number one, like people are genuinely, it's quite warm. They're sorry about him and Tay the baby and that. That's like, that's quite effective for his babyface appeal. Number two, Nobody in the building is worried that he's going to be world champion. 
Yeah. Genuinely, I think that feels different. Like the, oh, yeah, Sammy, Sammy. Yeah, but don't be MJF. Christ yeah, Almighty, yeah. we don't want to see you with the belt. Like, sometimes it's worth a babyface finding the level. And I think, like, the same thing that's turning Jungle Boy heel might be what helps Sammy Guevara stick as a face. Let's be realistic here, not on last night's evidence, because he was getting kind of booed out the building a little bit when he was trying to play babyface. And again, it's a little bit trite when he talks about the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. And Sammy Guevara had a dream as a child. And God, gosh darn it. I'm going to accomplish that someday. Yeah. And if, I just don't think the fans buy it. I don't necessarily think this is dead in the water. Mm. There is a creeping sentiment that, oh, this little pisshead, this little uh, obnoxious, tongue-out, like, sort of boy band member, he's kind of grown up and he's earning our respect gradually, but there was, that sentiment was kind of drowned out by the fact that, oh, God, don't turn him pit face. That <laughs> was the prevailing sentiment in this arena. I wish they'd have sensed that because they're usually so on the pulse. When, after Guevara says this, he's interrupted by Darby Allen, who says that all these people are falling in love with you again. They're not. I wish they just said again. I wish they'd said. I think these fans are starting to think you're not that much of an asshole. Aye. Something like that that would get a laugh and be in proper in tune with the actual wavelength of this audience. Just anything that's maybe you're not as bad as we thought you were. There were two flagrant lies on the show. <laughs> we'll get to one later involving Hook and Jungle Boy. Um, remind me of that later. I okay. will forget my memories of Civ. And um, so anyway, Darby congratulates um, Guevara on the birth of his uh, baby girl that he announced. He got a pop for that. Um, and he said, so... Fans are loving you again. They're not. Um, which makes me think, are you just going to be the same old Sammy Guevara, sucking up to Jericho, taking shortcuts, a, a, a promo of this nature? Um, or are you just going to be your own man? Um, this summons Jericho before Guevara can respond. And all of this is absolutely fantastic plotting from a... I hate the idea. And it's not just perpetuated by bad faith trolls, hence why I'm talking about it here, that Tony Khan can't book. Oh, no, you can book sometimes. He's got loads of great talent, some good ideas, but he's indisciplined. And I get it. I critique Tony for this quite often. But the man can plot. And if you look back to what Darby was saying... Oh, to Sammy, quality plot in this. Shut up, man. What Sammy was saying to Darby throughout the Pillars feud, mm. right, how it's been reminded how you were reminded of it during this promo exchange. They've had this plan in motion for, like, months, and the way they've arrived at it is really quite nice. And you get Sting and Jericho on the back of it, which yeah. should be nothing else, like, really fun. And it also explains what wasn't a plot hole, but something they were always going to revisit, that whilst in the JAS, Guevara was being a babyface and trying to, you know what, like, pursue a championship in the honorable way. And they were trying to really organically build this face turn, which seemed like a weird direction. But of course, there's a plan. There's always a plan. And Jericho just said to Guevara, you didn't ask for my advice whatsoever. Yeah. Like, imagine Jericho. You can readily imagine Jericho being hurt by that. So all of this is really believable. All of it's well plotted. All of it just builds from stuff they've already established. And Guevara's knocked by this and said, maybe you should ask my advice. Otherwise, you wouldn't have been beaten by Adam Cole twice. And Jericho... I love how it's not instant because this has been a four-year off-and-on friendship, uh, mentor, protege relationship. Extends the olive branch one more time. 
So, do you know what? Maybe you could learn something from me. Why don't we reform the, the sex gods one more time? Maybe you can learn something from me. It's yeah. like a olive branch full of thorns, isn't it, as well? Oh, of course. Like, yeah, that's yeah. for, come on, come on, idiot kid. Yeah. Come on, idiot, don't be stupid. So Darby says, well, I'm up for a Jericho, and, you know, I'm not coming alone. And out comes Sting. Oh, my God. They do some bad stuff in each other's throats. Oh, my God. And you get this ridiculous EFED dream match graphic that quietly, subtly, sometimes even in subtext, a great deal of plotting and thought has gone into. Yeah. With the exception of that one intelligence-insulting line that was way too optimistic. This was... Episodic TV perfection in how it was plotted and arrived at for like months in plain sight. I would have totally agree. And the little presentation details that just like took this. I have nothing really to add on that analysis, to be honest. I really, really appreciated how all of this came together off the back of what came before Double or Nothing and after it. Uh, so just to complement the, the little extra presentation touches, the noise of the two bats connecting was just delightful. That kind of... Sting's had that bat for 20 years now. He's like more. We've kind of less guys to have bats. Kind of less guys to have bats in a way. Uh, but Floyd is this like synthetic piece of, a literal piece of tin. Yeah. Shawn Michaels once called the WWE title. And Sting, every time Sting's bat hit that piece of tin. Do. That little, it was a bedpan. Austin on Vince's head noise. Because Jericho's this phony faker compared to the original Sting. Like the, this. Sting's so like pure. He's such a thoroughbred despite being 60 odd year old. Like everything about him is the authentic version of the others around him. Even Darby Allen. The whole point is Darby Allen has gradually got to like not be just a face paint guy, yeah. Derek. He's got to be his own man. And Jericho, in that moment, who is typically the icon, this legendary figure of AEW, is reduced somewhat because he's not a bigger legend as Sting. Yeah. And I think it was Excalibur asked Tony Khan, and it was just basically what they did was save dweebs like us racing to Google. But I think he said something like, Tony, did these even interact in the past? And Tony Schiavone, with all the gravitas of all the WWE experiences, no, they didn't. So you don't need to race to Google. You're being told that this is this is history. What you're watching is history in front of your very eyes, and not just that. And it's all going to try and get young lads over. Yeah, of course, it is. it's not for the it's not for them too, is it? It's for everybody else, and not just that. But Chris Jericho, like what last Jericho, week? Jericho wants it as well, obviously. I'm not that naive. No, was it last week that he noped it on Twitter? Yeah, hey, man, yeah, would yeah. like to work this thing. Nah. Like, knowing that this is coming, yeah. just, just noped. It just killed it dead, knowing that this was set to come. So every aspect of the additional presentation of the very good idea was, again, it's like, I feel like I'm going to say this a lot in this podcast, I haven't already said it already. This is AEW operating at peak. The best version of AEW is the best pro wrestling, and this yeah, was yeah. it. Absolutely, absolutely. We get a video. I would have done this the other way around, personally. It's my first of two problems with the Forbidden Door bills, even though the ends more than justify the means. I had a small pedantic problem with the video package from Sonata, who looks like the most billboard-friendly face you've ever seen in your goddamn life. What an absolute hunk of beautiful human being. He looks like a champion. The, the, the evidence for the substance isn't quite there yet, but we'll see in a couple of weeks and a couple of months. Um, but Sonata um, issues an open challenge for the IWGP title at Forbidden Door. Looks forward to who will answer the challenge. I would have just had Jack Perry do it outright, and then Sonata accepts, and the match graphic was made. Because I think what you're doing over the course of the hour is, this is a problem with AEW in general. This roster is so stacked. There are so many talented wrestlers on it that there's always a better answer. You know what I mean? Yeah, 
I, I, I disagree with this point, by the way, but I do get what you're saying there. The roster it is so loaded. Better answer. Yeah. So, and because there are so many fans <laughs> engaged, oh, I wanted Commander just off the top of my head. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there are so many options that you're never going to unify your audience. Mm-hmm. There's always a great option. There are too many great options. It's it's the same thing when Wardlow has a couple of bone weeks with the uh, TNT title. Yeah, which is kind of relevant today. Oh, we'll put it on. One of the other 15, the other 25 that could do this. Put it on Bandido, put it on Roosh, put it on um, like Jay White, put it on Swerve. Like, it's always an option. So I would have, if I was booking this, have removed the um, the debate, even though it lasted all of an hour, and the <laughs> option. Because um, I just think that, and look, it's all heading towards a Jack Perry heel turn. Yeah. So maybe this is cleverer than I'm suspecting. Maybe there's an element of, ah, oh, Jack Perry, we've just seen him fail. Why does he get another shot? Oh, because it's going to drive his heel turn. So maybe I am being a little bit pedantic over it. Um, but So why do you disagree with well, me? So we'll just jump ahead and do the Jack Perry uh, hook thing now. Yes. Tie them together. While I've actually remembered, because I just talked about it a minute ago, Hook, you're my very best friend. Right. No, you're not. This is it, right? So this I is know what... he's like the only mate he's got left. I wish he'd said that instead of my best friend. Is he conjuring ideas of like... Hook and Perry going on roller coasters together, yeah, and like crack and trying to graft birds and like you know, <laughs> like having sleepovers. Like, uh, no, 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 no. I think that was again fantastic because it was so insincere. Jungle Boy dripped with insincerity throughout his entire thing. Is Hook not that great in emoting yet because he didn't even do like so much as an eye roll as if to say pissed. He was gonna make one comment before he was cut off, and it reminded me of the episode of The Simpsons where you've gone into the future to meet Lisa's husband, and Maggie Simpson's about to speak. And then she kept getting cut off. Yeah. That's what Hook reminded me of. Like, just doesn't have the agency to get a word in over this guy that is quite quickly becoming quite an arsehole because he spent too long under Christian Cage's learning tree. I agree with that wider point of yours. The roster presents this, oh, there is no mystery opponent that will unify everybody. There is simply not. Yeah. But I thought this was perfect. Basically, Jungle Boy, and if you imagine this to be the real sports show, Sonata Lynn. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. 
Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful too for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. It's out the open challenge. What, 40 minutes later, maybe around that time, Jungle Boy and Hook are scheduled to speak because that's how interviews work in AEW. We've got scheduled TV time. Yes. Right? What are we going to talk about with Renee? Jack Perry is already to his uh, his best friend, like he's Cartman to Hook's butters. Right? He's my best friend. Uh, is about to talk about quote the summer of Jungle Hook, but then he's like basically like out of the way you out to the way, hook yo. the lamb because all of a sudden the title shot has come up and he doesn't deserve it because he's just lost one and he's going to jump a queue, queue jumper. Bad friend, neglecting what the promo time was supposed to be for, stepping on his own dick when talking about the summer of Jungle Hook. Already, they're like four heel traits as he sets up this heel turn, and we're now being welcomed, just like with the chair the other week, we're being welcomed into this and wanting to go, like wanting to scream through the TV, no, Hook, no. And even the little neg of the F2, <laughs> guys walking around here, I kind of want one of those. Like the, he's not going to get the IWGP yeah. title, so he's going to have to go for literally that one. He's going to have to go for the. That reduces it a little bit. That the reduced three belts almost, but I didn't get the AEW, so I'll go for the IWGP instantly. You've. I think it's because Hook's a dick. I, but a I, desperate I don't dick. care about the character in this context. I care about not Hook. Sorry, massive. Jungle Boy's a dick. Yeah, and uh, but he's still treating an IWGP title, which hasn't had the best few years, yeah. as something. Consolation for not winning a double or nothing. Well, so is Tony Khan because it ain't going to main event, is it? Exactly, but that's my problem. Yeah, like, the IWGP title match after Bindor should feel bigger than this. That is my absolute biggest concern. I yes, I don't disagree with that. Um, it did. Part of it is Sonata. Yeah. is an experimental champion, and the jury is out on him. Is there ever going to be an AWX New Japan Forbidden Door in the United States that's going to main event with the IWGP? Because last year was Moxley and. Anna for the AW title, wasn't it? You know, there's a fatal four way on the bloody table in the middle of the show. Like, but that's what I'm like. Tony Khan, now we're two years into the New Japan, we saw what went down in impact. He makes these deals when his stuff takes priority. And I just think this is an extension of that. It is, but I don't like it. I tell you where I think this is a rule proven exception. We said last year there was too much folding in of existing AW storylines that were kind of polluting the magic of Forbidden Door. I think this is the perfect way to do it. It's a good way to integrate it. This has become, very quickly, one of the tenser storylines. Because it's going to be quite sad to watch Jungle Boy get sucked into like wrestling's more. Because that's what's happening. He was this young, innocent dream chaser who was a bit of a Nepo baby. But ultimately, you know... Good enough. Yeah, good enough to do it. And now we're watching how it's broken him down and it's made him a bad guy. Everyone becomes a villain other than Ricky Steamboat in the end. And Jack Perry, Christopher Nolan. Jack Perry. <laughs> the Jungle Boy baby. Like the, it's just, it's sad. The Jungle Boy baby. It's sad to watch it happen, but it creates this air of tension. And I really like this specific storyline. It's odd because you're right. This is a mid-card story in AEW that is now for New Japan's 
top prize. Yes. There's no getting away That's from that. That's my fundamental issue with it, but maybe but it's Sonata's going to win. It's on New Japan as well. Yeah, Stature and Hansen win for Sonata when he wins, because he will it's win. It's on New Japan for giving it to an experimental champion, who they have tried to build like right on the eve of the show. Regardless, um, the match will really over-deliver on low expectations I've seen um, on Twitter. And the second match on this Dynamite show was a really, really fun party match um, with the Mogul Embassy against Orange Cassidy, Darby Allen, Sting, and Keith Lee. There are various elements to this, such as fantastic, not least of which, Brian Cage is the barbarian now. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Keep that look. He was sti- I know it was Sting's... It's- he was doing Sting, but he looked like the Barbarian. He did, because of his hair. Yes. His hair going through the paint yes. and the black. Uh, the long tights especially. Keep those long tights. Keep Good yeah. Lord. Bobby Lashley's switch was a good one in that respect. And uh, Brian just Cage makes too. that co- cobra of a torso just look all the more... We said this in Vegas. He looked bigger in jeans than in his trunks. Yes. It's a trousers thing. Brian Cage, there's a trousers for a man that clearly never, skips, keep that look. never skips any day. I understand that. that he wasn't intending to look like the Barbarian. It was the Sting thing, but you should still keep it nonetheless. Like a nickname him the power of pain. Yes. That should just be his thing. Yeah. Absolutely. So there's lots going on in this match. I'm not going to recap it. I'm not Willborn, and we don't have enough time. Uh, we ramble enough as it <laughs> is. Various, just brilliant Things, Darby on getting killed. Yep. Always a total joy. Um, Keith Lee, despite not nailing that, uh, the landing from the monkey flip, yeah. um, it, it just about recovered and it looked awesome. It just about justified the spot where he gets taken out by like a gangland assassination. <laughs> um, the way that they arrive at the Scorpion death drop following the various hot tags. Um, the orange punch just guiding. Who was it that took the fall? Um, it was one of the. Uh, I never can remember the names. Yes, I was the Gates of Agony yeah, lads. Yeah, one of the, one of the <laughs> So this is lots and lots of fun. They did steal a spot from NXT's six man tag. The power bomb. Oh yeah, the, oh yeah, that's there. Like, well, a big impact move now, at least. Yeah. Um, from that the, looked fantastic. From well. the Darby Allen getting killed. Yeah. But Darby gets killed. Sting, Sting. Keith Lee's Keith Lee. It's all very elegantly arranged to make it feel like just a very fun mid-card match. I love when AW show you that um, the basics done well can be brilliant. Because AW, uh, WWE, this goes back this to... Isn't a, it's bit, this is AEW... Like, it's not doing basics. It's, this is their weird energy that they can somehow harness, and it's mad. Well, so that was kind of going to be my point. Like, your 2019 take about just whatever WWE do, just do the opposite. Don't do what they do. Yeah. WWE completely bastardized the basics. They lost sight of, like, what a heel trait is, what a babyface trait is. Don't slide out to the floor and celebrate your wins yeah. sitting down having store one. Goodies, baddies, big moves on the goodies, justice restored for a week. Because next week, the baddie's going to try and do something yeah. else, and you've got to like tackle it all over again. It's those basics mixed with AEW's very uniquely AEW vibe, and that's how you get stuff like this. And a party match on TV is rare. This is pay-per-view fair that they don't always do on television. So it was quite nice to get this as well, I thought. Well, I've got the opposite, but carry on. <laughs> oh, okay. Like, I was quite grateful for this. Um, like, I know we're getting Sting next week in the tag match, and it's all big development for the sex gods. But I felt quite grateful to get this little breather. It felt like um, this was the perfect night to have a match like this because you've just had like a 30-minute... I know it wasn't for the title, but a title fight. 
Like, I thought this was really, this dynamite was really well laid out for me. And I thought this was like, this was good matchmaking on paper. It was even better in practice. I thought this, that's the point I was going to make, the sequencing. So I feel like, if not a party match, certainly a fast-paced trios. I love them, but it can get a bit, I don't know, I feel like it's, how am I trying to articulate this point? Individually, I love every trios match. Like, they're almost always guaranteed to be great. I love how it's a thing. I get captivated and thrilled every single time, but I do miss the direct one-on-one blood feud that I grew up watching wrestling with. Yeah, I love how there was a proper, weighty, elegant world title match in the classic mold that really took its time because in contrast to the sequencing of the show, it made this feel all the more chaotic and energetic and fun. I just feel like more range and more contrast is something this promotion needs, particularly after Double or Nothing, which is multi-man interference yeah. at the ass. So I don't know if this felt better in comparison to what followed this party match. Maybe, yeah. Like, I certainly never felt like the, there was no um, feeling of excess on the oh, show. No, no, like, no. I didn't get any of that out of yeah. this. There was a point where, I think it was this match, where Tony Schiavone, and it's the first time he's done this in a while, where he's just sort of like... You know when he sounds like he's forgotten that he's commentating and in fact he's just staring out into the distance going, oh man, I love pro wrestling. Yeah, there wasn't that. one specific move and I think it was for this match. And I was it just, was, it I was. was like, I, I agree. How yeah. can you not when it's just this purest version I, I of it? I just don't know how they harness this magic. It's yeah. the, one of the biggest features of AEW for me is just the energy that they can harness and they did it again here. And it wasn't even the best multi-man tag on the show. We'll get to that later. Renee Paquette uh, goes backstage with the guns. Uh, she inquires about the um, association with Jay White. Um, they kind of play dumb and say, what are you talking about? And they have an, a challenge uh, to the Hardys next week to see who's the best brother team. Dynamite or Rampage is that on? It's Matt Hardy, so it's going to be Dynamite. Ugh. Because he's firmly in one camp in this divided field. Best save this for the preview. And the low point of the show happens next. It's Wardlow defeating, um, with little to no heat, Jake Hager um, in a TNT title match. Um, It was some power moves. There was some stuff with Brock Anderson coming out and uh, the JAS getting run off. And it's just there. I have one positive. And it's only a speculative one. I love Hager only doing two power bombs as well. Like you lazy bastard, you never get in this ring. Yeah. In AEW. you do it like what bi-monthly at this point, mm-hmm. or it feels that way, and you can't even go up to four power bombs to do the full symphony like, against the guy that in the video packages basically tried to put you over as his legacy rival. And Wardlow uh, like and grafted uh, so much to, to make this mean something. Like Hager should never do a singles match in AEW again. I agree wholeheartedly. It this never was... works. He's actually well deployed in tags and multi-mans. Like, uh, no one cares about a Hager singles match. To your Sonata mystery opponent point, this was incredibly frustrating to imagine who Wardlow could have been working with instead. If you want to... Right, if you want to do this whole match and Wardler beats a guy, there's action on the outside that results in Christian and Jungle Boy bludgeoning Arn Anderson. There are about 20 guys I'd rather see instead of Jake Hager have yeah. this exact match, even just because they could take more power bombs or fly around or whatever it is. I love the continuity. Well, I was going to say about Brock. 
I find it interesting that Brock was one of the people harassed backstage and then he didn't save his dad. Was that a little clue that he's been gotten to by Christian and Jungle Boy? Like Christian Cage is now the guy that like when he's not bashing your dad, he's could have done the sons. Like, is that a thing? And at least the blood looked better this week. But we kinda not only was the match bad, not only does my optimism for Wardlow and Arn Anderson feel like it's oh, it's evaporating. Evaporating by the week. Like this was a really, really annoying production flub. Like I sometimes think that their little gaffes are not as big a deal as like some people make out or ultimately not that important in the grand scheme of things. Like Christian started his promo. Nobody could hear anything. People started booing. Wardler had to do the bleh, bleh, bleh in the ring to stall. Like fair play to him, by the way, because you look like a tit when you just stood there. Like, oh, Christian's back there. What could he possibly be revealing? Where's Arn Anderson gone? And then Christian has to start again. But you can hear it in the building, so Wardlow's probably just doing that as a character choice. Oh, good. Because in the building, we were there in Vegas in the MGM. But I don't think last night they could hear it in the building. Have you no? no have you heard? Um, I think that's just because not not this is none of this is particularly over. <laughs> have you heard the fan cam reaction to CM Punk's? No. Um, the, the the promo he cut for the collision. You can hear it. It booms through the speakers just like it did in Vegas. Right. Okay. Well, in which case, yeah, it's just the program's not over. That's but not it over was. Was really messy on telly as well. Uh, it's a shame because they've thought it through, but it's, it's the excess of the ladders and the on and all the rest of it. It's just overthought. And Hager, like, I like that they always remember things in this company, but the application of the continuity here is pointless. Yeah. It results in a Jake Hager singles match and they never get over. Wardlow's feud with Christian Peake that they'll nothing. Nothing he'll do with Luchasaurus. Nothing he'll do in a mixed tag, in a six man, in a whatever. There is no version of it that'll be as good as that. Uh, spot off the ladder through the table at Dublin. Yeah. We're, we're done. Wardle needs to do something brand new. Yeah. Should have had a proper match with Christian Cage first. Um, so, what was next? Yes. We get a video from the, like, the actual execution of this, I thought, was lacking. The idea is great. You've got MGF, who, since at least early 2022, has been saying, Ugh, New Japan. Terrible. They're all idiots who drop each other on their heads. It's an indie fed. Quite like the Great Okan, but that's it. He's been doing this in anticipation of this for well over a year at this point. Then you get the embodiment of New Japan, the ace, the man who led the resurgence, the man who for my generation of New Japan fandom is New Japan, Hiroshi Tanahashi, um, basically saying that MGF is a paper champion, a fraud, title won't shine like it should, I think was the um, phrase that he wrote down according to my notes, and he issues the challenge to MGF. I, this came out of the blue. I have such reverence for Tanahashi, and I think that should be reflected in the broadcast, like we're going to hear from Tanahashi. Mm-hmm. Like Tanahashi's got something to say later in the show, because it was just, oh yeah, it's Tanahashi. It's like, oh, here's Bob. <laughs> it's Hiroshi Tanahashi. Yeah. Announced that we hear from him. He's a legend. He should be advertised. It should be a massive deal that he talks. In reality, he is faded. He's broken. But he's still a goddamn legend. And he will still create magic with MGF, whose response, by the way, is priceless. He, again, says that it's an indie fed. Says that he's just not going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Nah, that's not going to do it. And then he, uh, I love where that's going, by the way. Well, yeah, because he says if Tony Khan books me in it, I'll probably just no show. And I've then, done and then he did book him in it. The gra- we got the graphic by the yeah. end of the night. So it's like, right, what's 
what's that about? Let's see where that goes. I love the arrangement of that. I love the idea that MJF, with his in his mind, with his business completely finished with Adam Cole, he can... Rinky dink, by the way. Rinky dink. More people should say that. Like, some guy from a rinky dink indie fed about Tanahashi. That's like, it's inspired already. We talked about the best opponents for MJF from New Japan, and Tanahashi was always at the, like, the top of the list. Like, joint top, with, like you want, and Naito was your big one this year, wasn't it? But like... The, it was one of the two. Like, it was, this was never going to fail as an idea. Oh, sorry, hang on. What did I tweet on, um, wait there, wait there. What did I tweet on um, April 22nd, 2022? Oh, yeah. Um, MGF should wrestle Hiroshi Tanahashi. Oh, there you go. There you go. It's, you know, it's been out there. It's been in the ether. What was, was MJF even, I oh, must have been on television in April. He hadn't yet taken his time off and called. No, because he's currently in the process of doing the Wardlow, the Wardlow thing. Um, I love this already. And I love the Tanahashi being like kind of done past his physical, physical prime will actually help this match. And I don't think I'm just huffing the copium there. Every time. You know when Tanahashi at Supercard of Honor looked like he could have fell off the top rope before he hit the high fly floor? Or he just took that extra... Like that damaging extra couple of seconds to get from one side of the ring to the other because he is broken down. Like his body of work has at long last caught up with his body. Yes. He's, that, he's better for being broken, though. But in this match especially, because every time he creaks a little bit, I'm just like, this is why I hate you. Yeah. This is why I don't respect it. It's because look what it does to people. I will, I will never be you, old man Hiroshi. Yeah. And then he's going to be made to briefly pay for his crimes. I want this to open for Bindor. I want MJF to show a Brock Lesnar level of disdain for this entire night. Yes, I want to fight now and get the hell out of here. Not least because a it's... A mirror to double or nothing, in fact. Yeah, when he did the little flight, like, oh, I've yeah. flown in just for this, and then I'm away. Yeah. Like, I want him to open and like tell everybody why he's, at the, why he's at the start instead of at the end, when the real reason is because he's fighting Tanahashi. And I think MJF's a genius. I think he's quickly becoming a genuine wrestling god. But Tanahashi is a mountain maybe too big for him, even him to climb when you've got those big main events on the other side of this show. I would love this to open. Yeah, I think that's a great idea, narratively and in terms yeah. of how the show uh, should be sequenced. Renee back backstage. Renee Paquette, backstage interview with Orange Cassidy. He says, what does the future hold to you? Um, and he just deadpans, um, hangs the lang- lampshade on it, says, you know how it works. Someone just walks in and challenges him. <laughs> it's, uh... You, ZSJ, Zack Sabre Jr. said that, you know, I, I like quite like the idea of being a double champion. Garcia then walks in, for once, they've established that he's in that area. Yeah. I like this so much. It speaks to my pedantic heart. Daniel Garcia is already milling around. Mm-hmm. That corridor of people waiting to interrupt <laughs> people does not exist. Um, he says, well, where's Shabata? Confront- confronted him last week. Haven't had an answer or haven't talked to him. And he says, oh, he's not here, but he will be next week. And that sets up Cassidy and Shabata <laughs> versus Sabre and Garcia. Oh, for next week's Dynamite. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Zack Sabre Jr., Katsuya Shibata, UWFI style. We're not touching, but we're doing oh, everything. It was so such great. a great little exhibition. Just do that again. This tag should be great. And there's ramifications for what it'll happen, what will happen if Forbidden Door on the back of it. But we'll touch on that next week. Yeah, this and the Le Sex Gods tag, both being on next week's Dynamite, makes it a goated Dynamite already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Two points from this promo that I just absolutely loved. Uh, Hello, Orange Bollocks. Yeah, like, Orange Bollocks is funny. Like, I think Zack Sabre Jr. at the moment... It, like, some of his promos are a little bit overstated. 
Because that one on Rampage that was getting shared, like Zack Sabre Jr. cry laugh emoji sideways. I thought it was a bit rubbish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like he's but, got what he's got in him, and he's a plagiarist. Yeah, he is. Um, well, you say that, but like he's more not, like he does like deep cuts. Yeah, he's not like British TV thing. He's not read anybody else's tweets off his phone in years, so he's not copying off there. No, 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 he's no, no, got no. his password. Yeah, like the um, promo was really funny, and I needed that from Zach. The prospect of both of these potential singles matches is really exciting. Um, Orange Cassidy, I do not get tired of this. Like, I, I've compared it on Twitter, like to the eighties cop show freeze frame moment when the credits come up, yeah. with him and Renee especially. And now I'm going to compare it to late nineties, early two thousands comedy because Renee's like, "What's next, Orange Cassidy?" And it's like when David Brent's asked, "Oh, what are you do? What are you up to now?" Well, you know, like more of these because like nothing yeah, else yeah. is going on in his life, but this very obvious, like sort of indefinite run of things he's stuck with. Yeah. Like, what you got next? Well, probably more of these tile shots. Probably more of these tile shots. Here he comes. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's just trapped in this loop. A prison of his own design at this point, Orange Cassidy. It's amazing. Him, him and Gunther, wrestlers of the year. In addition to this great in-ring story he's telling and how every individual great match informs it, just the sending up for the backstage thing. Yeah. What a punchline. He never, is. it's never a great been a, runner. Never been a betrayal of his character, has it? Great running gag. It's fantastic. Um, penultimate match, Tony Storm defeats Sky Blue. It is framed and pitched as the breakthrough that, oh, you're so close. And if it was fair, you would have won. Um, they did bite really big on a false finish towards the end. I did as well. Again, when AEW operates with a level of thought, there is no other promotion that can touch it. Putting Sky Blue's mother at ringside. Oh, yes. Because you just think, all right, they, they might do a switch. Yeah. Think, oh, they might not. They might be trying to pull the wool over my eyes. Or spray spray paint in hers. Yes. Oh, my God. And then when the false finish happens, you think, well, they've built the match nicely. I think it was blow away great, if I'm honest. But they got there in the end. And, um, yeah, they've established that family members are there when title victories happen. And they subverted that but they also informed a great near fall, having used the precedent of things they've used successfully before. Yeah. Um, I thought the match was good, not great, but it was a good indication that Sky Blue continues to come along. I didn't think the match was blow away great, but I thought the agent in was. Um, Tony Storm, a goated AW Women's World Champion. Like, picking right back up for me off the back of a run last year, now doing it as a heel, what she was doing as a babyface. Sky Blue... Like, this wasn't the best in-ring match of her run in AEW. You saw it? But this is proof. You saw it at Bloody Vegas, yeah. the ROH tapings? This is proof for me, if proof be need be, that uh, the babyface momentum she's been building is not fake and it's not for nothing. It's real. Because if it wasn't real, the fans wouldn't get behind her in the way they did here. This needed the fans to be on board, and they all were, and that is where this comes all the way back around to being accrediting of the agent. And the mom being at ringside to get the spray paint... And then Sky Blue being smart enough to have spray paint of her own, knowing full well as a babyface she was going into a minimum of a two-on-one advantage. It could have been three if Saraya was there as a person instead of as a cardboard cutout. She brings her own blue spray paint to counter. Like, that's a totally logical thing to do. It's a silly wrestling logical thing as well. Yeah. yeah. Oh, this is what they do. Blue so spray paint. I'm going to have some of my own. It's just stupid enough to work for Yeah, me. like bang into that. The fans were huge for it. And I loved, loved, loved the Storm Zero being used as a, like, when that was only for two, that felt like a gift from the gods for the crowd. And Tony Storm was like, nah, nah, sorry, not tonight. And just, like, wrapped up the cloverleaf afterwards. Like, I thought that was a really cool thing. Yeah. Like, it wasn't giving away the Storm Zero as a kick out all of a sudden. It was just being like, hang on, like, what am I dealing with here? Best put her away with yeah, this yeah, because yeah. I'm the wrestler's wrestler in this division. I love the bones of this. And I just, I don't know when the in-ring, like, 
because some of the, like Sky Blue is still relatively young. We talk about these relatively small cage match pages. I don't know that necessarily the in-ring can always catch up with the ambition and the idea, but I welcome this because this felt way bigger than a lot of these generic last quarter hour women's matches. Tony Storm's a gift to this division. Yes. Like, I, I think I'm starting to like the outcasts. Now we're away from the turf war. Yeah. And they're, they're baddies. I think I'm into it. I'll, maybe I'll get there. I just, I still can never shake that. Oh, here come the women. Yeah. Not because of the talent, just because of the general apathy that we've discussed at length on these podcasts. It's always this vibe shift to, oh, we should probably book a women's division. Here we go. It's it's so oppressive every single week, the apathy that AEW shows towards its female talent. Willow Nightingale making the save. Yes, I forgot to mention that. In the post-match, the outcasts are going to beat up someone. And then Willow Nightingale, it's her turn this week to do the save. Setting up a tag team match. I'm pretty excited for that, but we'll talk about that in the collision preview. Yes. I've got some, I've got some thoughts on that. Okay. Yeah. Good that the yeah, geography. Uh, this is when we get the jungle hook segment and the tension and the um, the dissension uh, that we talked about earlier. And then it was time for the main events, uh, the Hung Bucks. Did you see the uh, Chiron? Uh, yes, about the sexually suggestive. They're formerly <laughs> known by a sexually suggestive and anatomically inaccurate yeah. name. Basically, the, the young bucks are saying they got tiny cats, <laughs> which is just oh, fantastic. I yeah. love how as well, oh, Big Dick Phil needs his big dick on show. <laughs> well, we'll be the real uh, self-deprecating guys and say, small dicks. In AEW, having tiny balls is yeah, a benefit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No. Absolutely unbelievable. Uh, this match was ridiculous. Ten minutes. Didn't hit that elite, no pun intended, pay-per-view on TV ceiling, but they instead had angles, plural, to get through at the finish. So they decided to just go nuts for ten glorious minutes. Action-packed is a cliché. Yeah. A cliché, rather. Uh, this was action-packed. Totally. It was just packed full of so much action that you could not take your eyes off it. You couldn't Action-packed directly. Yeah, yeah, it was just ridiculous. Like, oh, just some of it was so good. Like, so the uh, Bucks take out um, Claudio and Mox with moonsaults to the outside. Then they grab Yuta, they drape him over the ring apron. I'm like, what's happening here? I'm just one of the best uh, shooting star presses from the apron of the floor you've ever seen in your life. Like, Hangman Page is so goddamn good. He's an all-time great in the ring for me already. Um, just everything here was awesome. Like the various shifts in momentum. It's like, it's not, I just don't know how they get in position for this. Yeah. Like how do you remember it all and then not make it look like, it? just you're making it feel like a frenzy. And this is what I keep saying to you, that you cannot take the elite out of this company because one of the features, the main features of this company is this unbelievable energy that they can harness. And it's the young books and their book and, and their influence. Like it just, it's irresistible for these 10 minutes. You get Nick Jackson trying to hit Claudio with a moonsault. But Claudio Castagnoli, in the words of Kevin Steen, is a human horse. Yeah. Brian Danielson shouldn't commentate on every match because he's so good at putting people over. He's like, oh, he's so strong. Yeah. He will, he, so Daniel, uh, Claudio plucks Nick Jackson out of the sky, power bombs him into the barricade, I mm-hmm. think, or something like that. And Danielson, like with his genuine, earnest sense of wonder, Oh, he's so strong. He's like <laughs> a five-year-old watching like a superhero cartoon on his TV. It's absolutely incredible. His likes and dislikes are really well-defined as well because he was raging about the Northern Lights thing. Like, yes. That's a pin! 
like he, he likes pins. He likes yes. nice tight pins. We know this. So that's like like that's offensive to him. Yeah. That this wouldn't just be like lock him up. You get all sorts like this. Matt Jackson taking a, a suplex. Yeah. Like it's just right on his neck. It's not, but they make it look like it. Just the execution of one of the least ambitious trios matches, but still thoroughly pulsating. Um, you get Doomsday Device from Mox and Claudio to Matt, and he kicks out of it, and it's such a great spot because they know exactly when to not do a save. Because like that's a finish because I can't see anyone lingering around the ring, but it's not because there's always a twist with the Young Bucks match. And then a twist, and the Young Bucks win. Mm. And they get the uh, pop a power bomb on uh, BTE trigger. That's the finish. And that's not all, of course, because in the post-match, Claudio and Mox get back in the ring, launch Nick over the barricade. Eddie Kingston returns, tries to double-leg Castagnoli, and there's a moment where my heart sinks and my pulse races at the same time because I want Mox and Eddie to fight, but then I don't because I loved their double act so much. Like My emotions are ping-ponging all over the place. And then Takeshita hits the ring. They tease 20, 20 seconds of Omega Takeshita. That's like a match of the year. <laughs> yeah. The execution. How have you not been concussed from the various bombs that you're lobbing at each other? And um, Takeshita gets snapdragoned. Uh, meanwhile, the muck, uh, Bucks and Page are taking out the BCC with triple dives. It's deft, dovetailing exhilaration. Then, just as Omega is about to hit Takeshita with the V-trigger, he gets literally blindsided by a kick from a returning Will Ospreay to set up Forbidden Door. And you are getting teased one million matches here. Every character has got a unique motivation that sometimes collides in in the case of Kingston with the people who he's kind of temporarily aligning with. He doesn't want to hit everyone because they are baddies because he's got pre-existing relationships i'm all over the place with this recap just because that's what my feeling was watching this i was kind of torn thinking oh kingston maybe deserved more of a spotlight but then i just felt so much exhilaration that i'll just worry about that later yeah this was so electrifying deft dovetailing vintage aew i don't like how i have to qualify it with that anymore but that, that this is the power well this is the power of which we speak this was, yeah, this sort of frenzied, um, like, st- like this frenzied chain of events, basically, maybe wasn't quite as clean as some of the older versions of it in terms of what exactly they were setting up and for when. But we talked, didn't we, about how, like, would Collision, the debut of Collision, open with, like, your phrase, that I would never take from you. Deft dovetailing. No. The, the narrative Big Bang. Thank you. My other cliche. That one. My other pretentious cliche. It's, it's a good one, though. It's oh, a, yeah, very good. It explains a lot. It, you know, like it's, and it was the case in that opening Dynamite. We said, oh, well, will Collision do that? And then we also questioned yesterday if anything would happen on this Dynamite, specifically featuring several of the people involved in this, that would maybe try and tacitly undermine what happens on Collision. We sort of got a bit of both here, didn't we? Yeah. This was something resembling a narrative Big Bang while also potentially challenging certain people that they might not like on Saturday to follow that motherfuckers, right? I so, love like, how they've basically said, are you... This is, sorry, I know I've just completely interrupted you mid-flow. They've basically given you the absolute best of what the elite do. 
Yeah. There's a match. There's a dream match. There's a dream match. There's a dream match. If you've got about blood and guts, we're going to do that as well. Yeah. We could do Moxley Kingston, if you like, in a singles match <laughs> after that. Oh, go on, Phil. What have you got? Oh, mm, another match with Samoa Joe. Is that it? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, this felt like, why don't we do everything now this week, Tony? Tony's like, why? Just do it. Just do it. Just see what we've got. See what we've got. Well, but I would agree with that. This was elite flex booking. I would agree with that wholesale because, like, the elite flying around against the BCC as a way to win. It was endless pace, endless moves, moves, moves. Like, whatever you think we've got, we've actually got something even better, like, behind the scenes. Like, it reminded you why there are a bunch of mid-carders that can't draw money, Hangman Page especially, because it was so cool to see him working at such an electric pace again. Hangman Page was a more... Cons- uh, Kenny Omega was a more consistent ratings draw than CM Punk. Yeah, Kenny Omega was. Hangman Page wasn't. And you could see why he was so perfect here in this, like... Career mid-carder role alongside the Young Bucks. I'm putting over the Young Bucks. You're exactly right what you say about the Elite. This was Elite perfection while, like, a star... Have you seen those uh, collision ticket sales? While a star's going to make a difference on Saturday. This is great. I'm so you glad. you seen the collision ticket sales? So, pathetic. I'm so glad he's back. I'm so glad he's back. Um, this what like, I loved getting to see. All cynicism aside, I don't think Hamon Page is a singles main eventer, truthfully. You can have the matches that bear that out. But oh, boy. <laughs> I don't think he is. I don't think he's a singles main eventer. I think okay, he's, he's the I main think, character of AEW, though. So. Well, yeah, whatever. Like, <laughs> I don't think he's. I never felt for him, other than when he won the belt, that he was. He's got like too much toxic masculinity. He's like playing the sensitive guy with mental health issues. I just think oh, you're too insensitive. Oh, thanks, thanks, Cedric. Yeah. Now I understand. Yeah, yeah. No, like I love watching him in this, and I kind of was reminded. I love, like, I felt that the elite were more back together than Brian Danielson was giving them credit for. And I loved watching that. They were so instant. That, like, where they held Uter out for the shooting star press that you highlighted, like that spot. Like, Danielson refused to acknowledge that they were more in sync than the BCC. Yes. Like, they've been doing their sweaty, weird, regal-adjacent drills, but drills can't compete with a bond, and the bond's back, and that's the different... Like, that's the elite stuff, is like, how tight is the bond? When Kenny Omega and Hangman Page were the tag champions, how tight is the bond? And when is that going to be tested? And when is that going to fall apart? And that leads to everything that that leads to. That's at the core of the elite. Like, it is an amazing friendship story. And fre- that's why it's so relatable. And that's why people buy the shirts. And that's why the company exists. Because friendship is something that... The one that CM Punk almost destroyed. The people relate to friendship. <laughs> well, like, yeah. But, like, you know, actual people that made money in the industry reminded us that it was show business that's for a short, short friends. Time. For a short so, like, time. So, like, the important thing here was that the... Like the like bonds Hogan in two thousand and two, almost the bonds were reestablished for something like blood and guts, right? Yeah. Because Hogan in two thousand and two, I don't, don't want to. Cedric, I don't want to entertain a culture war with you. Like I'm all about friendship. You've just lost it. Me and the elite are quite like that anyway. <laughs> yeah. I like now that the discussion around blood and guts is not going to be can Kenny Page and the Bucks coexist. That's they're back. The elite are back. They're as solid as they've ever been. As a foursome, even though they've lost Anarchy in the arena, that doesn't matter. Brian, you're an idiot for thinking that. You didn't beat them at double or nothing. You made the situation worse, and you did it through like a numerical advantage at that with Takeshita. The new issues become, right, where does Osprey fit in? Where does Takeshita fit in? How much do the BCC want to get in bed with Don Callis? Because that's uh, hiding to nowhere. Um, Eddie Kingston, like, can you trust him come blood and guts? Because... He's a loose cannon. He's the, um, it's the, it's always sunny Philadelphia. Wild, wild card. card. Like they're going to have to trust Kingston not to be a wild card. And that's where it could all go Kingston horribly wrong. Bucks in a trio. Yeah, Can you imagine? Massively like blow up in the face on the night because yeah. he's Kingston, you know? And I just, I love that like, 
they've very, very smartly moved on from... People call it, and it's a negative term, like elite melodrama. It, the elite are solid. Like, they're yeah. good to go. It's suddenly everybody else's melodrama that they're going to have to navigate through yeah. if they want to finally deal with the BCC as a threat. And I really loved how that played out in a way that, like, we didn't call any of that on a on the preview yesterday. We saw a trios match playing out like a trios match, and they instead gave you, what, a Forbidden Door build, a Blood and Guts build, character development of all the kind of key stars. Again, AEW operating at Deft, dovetailing. AEW. Let us know your thoughts um, underneath the Twitter link to this podcast at WhatCultureWWE. Uh, whilst you're there, you can follow Michael Hamflet at Michael Hamflet. You can follow me at um, Sidgwick. Um, stick around on your podcast feeds tomorrow. We will be previewing the debut episode of Collision. And there's a lot to talk about good, bad, and quite frankly, indifferent. So I'm really looking forward to drilling into that. Tacitly burying it as a way to tacitly bury CM Punk. I just don't think it looks... Well, we'll see. I think it looks... Whatever. We'll find out well, tomorrow. I'm a Dynamite and Rampage guy. You're a collision guy. We can all coexist. We can all coexist. I'm a Rampage guy now. <laughs> Jesus oh, Christ. Christ. We, we were like... Just, I know we've done the wrap-up. Bloody Excalibur man. Oh, by the way, I'm Rampage tomorrow night. This yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, what? What? Bandido Takeshita. Yeah. Are you, are you kidding? But you told me for the last two years I didn't need to watch that show. Yeah, I know. Absolutely ridiculous. Are you going to watch Rampage? Let us know <laughs> um, on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. So, yeah, we've got loads more collision previews and uh, SmackDown previews as well, I suppose. Um, so look forward to that. And until then, we will see you soon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.